I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint. Because black girls did it first. And honestly, better. Period. Period. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fave podcast for all the Gen Z black girl tea. My name's Lauren. My name is McKean, and thanks everybody for tuning into today's episode. So today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to keep it 100% real. The election is less than a week away, and we thought we would be doing ourselves and everyone else a disservice to not get real about it, especially given all of like the misinformation that has been spread around all the candidates and everything that's at stake. So that's that's what's on the plate today. Yeah, exactly. I think there's just so much to talk about, so much to unpack. Also thinking about like this is a Gen Z podcast. And also this is the first time that some people are going to be voting. And we think, yeah, it's definitely important considering also how much is at stake with this election. I just think, you know, this is a historical one that, you know, is going to change the course of a lot of things in like US politics, but also world politics in general. So like, you know, it's important and we had to talk about it. So before we get into the long things that we have to talk about today, McKean, let's tell them what we're reading the room today. Of course. So for anyone new here, Read the Room is normally a segment that we use to get into all of the tea of Black Twitter, get into the tea of our personal lives, and also like any questions or like confessions that y'all send to us down the line. But today we're going to do a pretty like chill and quick Read the Room, given the fact that like, honestly, we have so much information to try to cover in this episode. We want to make sure that we hit all the points so that we're all able to approach this election well-informed and prepared. So today's Read the Room is just a check-in. Lauren, girl, how you doing? Like, how is life? I'm okay. I'm doing well. You know, midterms are coming up. I have to try to catch up all the readings for the entire semester that I have not done yet. Um, and that's going to be quite eventful, but it's fine. I got my nose pierced yesterday. What a vibe, you know? I literally was just like sitting in class and I was bored. Honestly, the thing was like Zoom fatigue that like we were talking about this, but like nobody, you know, really talked about how exhausting it is to like be sitting at a computer screen all day. And I was like, I should go do something spontaneous to prove to myself that I'm still alive and I can still feel. So yeah, I went and just literally booked an appointment for an hour later and just got my nose pierced and it looks really cute. I haven't it does look cute. in a very long time, so I'm really happy about <laughs> it. So I'm personally, I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Period. I'm doing okay. I'm tired, man. Yesterday I had a Zoom meeting. If we're talking about Zoom fatigue, I had a like seven hour Zoom meeting. Oh my. It was crazy. I literally like I've never been on a Zoom meeting for that long. It was awful. Like, it was kind of terrible. But, you know, we survived it. I pushed through. And, like, honestly, I'm so ready for this remote schooling to be done. Like, me and my friends were also talking about it this week. But, like, even though we're all going through the same things, and even though professors are, like, also ex- experiencing the fatigue of Zoom, I just feel like we haven't, I, or at least in my school life, I hope people listening or have had teachers that have responded and adjusted accordingly. But, like, Honestly, I sort of got like I'm getting more work assigned than ever before. And it's like it's not even engaging. And that's like kind of the sad part. It's a little bit disheartening because it's like, dang, I actually I, I do want to learn. But like literally I'll have to read a hundred pages for my next class and then I'll get to class where they just make another student summarize the reading. And I'm just like, Yeah, what am I here for? <laughs> like this is and I feel like also another question to think about is just like and me and my friends were talking about it the other day it was just like 
given all that's going on in the world to sit in a class and like talk about theory or like to you know just talk about some like old mm -hmm. obsolete like way of thinking it just feels like less and less of a practical use of time you know like yeah I don't know it's real like zoom I don't know if it's just zoom or if it's college too or like a bunch of other things but like girl the day that I can I'm ready to throw my laptop away. I'm right. away. ready to chuck it out of the window. It's honestly, it feels like a senioritis, except we're juniors. But it's also yes. like Zoom, and I'm just tired. I'm also like not ready for the workforce, though. But I also don't want to be doing this. So I'm like, what? What do you want to do with your life? <laughs> absolutely <Lauren>? nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. I want to lay in bed. I would. Have you seen that like TikTok? where it was like the guy and he was going around to people with like really rich cars or whatever. And he asked yes. him, and she was like, he's like, what do you do for a living? And she was like, I'm married. And I was like, period. Like, that wait, hold on. Right. Like, and then, I mean, keep in mind, uh, if we are going to reference black Twitter, like black Twitter has been chatting about this little Birkin bag debate and I haven't super, been super in on it, but like, then Saweetie is out here telling me on the timeline, like, oh, find you a man that can buy you a Birkin. Da, 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 da. And I was like, I don't even want a Birkin bag, but like, shoot. Is this more promising to Zoom you at this point? <laughs> Honestly, listen, I, I love Sweetie. So if Sweetie telling me to find a man with a Birkin bag, then that's just, that's just what I'm going to have to do, honestly. And, and that's it. If Queen Sweetie says it, then it, it must be true. Her and Quavo are still so sweet, though. Like, bring it back <laughs> to real. episode two. When we talk about it, every time I see them on my timeline, I'm like, y'all are adorable. This is Literally, so sweet. thank you. And speaking of, honestly, maybe this is starting to be a Sweetie fan podcast, but <laughs> speaking of her, like, video content lately, she's been hilarious. Like, she made, I don't know if you saw it, but, like, she, Friday she one? made, like, a remake. Is it, or the, no, the Friday one, too, though, but the one I saw was, like, of the sorting hat or whatever from, sorry, I've only seen Harry Potter one time. But That's okay. I know exactly. I think sorting, I you do? Yeah. <laughs> Where she, like, mm-hmm. No, no, she had her bags be like she had the sorting bags, oh, and like it was like she was the person that was like deciding which house you would go to, and like That's you know so one cute. bag was assigned to like the icy girl house, and like one bag was assigned to like the pretty mom house, or like it was just it was just cute. It was so funny and it was so like, well made. Definitely that. recommend. I thought you were talking about the trend because I know China Ann McLean did a video where she was doing like the it's like the Harry Potter sorting houses or something, and you like find. Like, a, you do an outfit that resembles a character, or maybe, like, you do an outfit that resembles, oh. like, a water house and it's, like, a fashion thing. But that's what Sweetie did is even cuter. I love that. Girl, I'm going to send it to you after this. It was so cute. I didn't even... I've seen... I tell you, I saw Harry Potter for the first time. One time, like, last year. I've never seen any Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, you haven't? Okay, that no. makes me feel way better. I haven't read any of the No, no, I'm not a Harry Amazing. Potter fan. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no, no. That was not... Not not my thing. I love like the you read like the Percy Jackson stuff. All right, never mind. No. Now now I'm judging you. See, I read I, one of the Chronicles of Narnia. thing going on, but no. Uh uh, it was none. I did not. Growing up, wait. No. One of like the Hunger I didn't read Divergent. I read one of the Hunger Games ones. I just didn't. I never all that sci-fi stuff just never like hit me. I would always be bored. <laughs> Okay. I just didn't like it. I was just like, this is not for me. Even the movies, honestly, I just like, it was like, I, <laughs> All right. I was definitely more a pro, like, I love a, a personal story. Like, uh, I love a coming of age story that doesn't involve, <laughs> like, witches and magic. <laughs> but I feel like I like when you can get both. See, like, the best ones where, like, they grow up but also like you know they have like powers at the same time i'm like period true but that's, a little that's bit true to me i like that you're right literally listen i swear they were they were probably good they really probably were and maybe one day if i ever have children i'll make them read it and then i'll get a little summary from yeah. them <laughs> the way they summarize the readings in your classes is just like mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> i'm gonna pass that down <laughs> but anyways moving i think into the the beef of today's conversation, the meat of it all. Sorry, I know you're you're vegan, so I, I mean, we can come up with a better the lettuce of today's conversation. I'm actually not vegan. I'm. I mean, I didn't. So I was actually literally not to get off topic again, but I was having a conversation with somebody about it this weekend. It's like I like identify, I guess, as like a vegetarian or whatever. But like, I'll eat. Oh. 
sometimes. But when you say pescatarian, most of the time people don't really get it. Also, I'm like, how do you determine that? Like, if I eat seafood like every like once in a while, does that make me pescatarian or am I still vegetarian who just like eats seafood sometimes? Um, and it's just a whole I don't thing. know. You could take whatever title you want. I think either work. I would I would respect either. Okay. For you. <laughs> anyway, we can say the meat of today's conversation. I'll yeah. Okay. Getting into the fish of today's conversation. Okay. The occasional okay. seafood of today's conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, this is a mess, but we're actually having a serious convo today, as we let you guys know. Today's episode is about voting. And if you don't know, you must have been under a rock somewhere, but like this election is just so crucial and like there is so much at stake. And I also think there's a lot to be said about, like, like you said, like, this is my first time ever being able to vote in a presidential election. Like, I was 16 when Trump was elected. So I was just kind of like watching from the sidelines and I was informed, but like couldn't really do anything, you know? So there's a lot to be said about this election. So if you're anything like me, most of your information for this election has definitely come from social media and probably Twitter. And I think that's a good and bad thing. You know, it's a good thing that social media really does streamline the truth, but it also makes the mistruth and the misinformation a lot more readily available too. And I think, you know, with this election and certain narratives that have been established around different candidates, it can be hard to decipher like what is real and what isn't. So like, that's the goal of today's episode, you know, both talking about like the Gen Z black girl perspective of this election, but also like, what is actually at stake here and like, what can we do? So that's, that's what we're here today to talk about. So Lauren, where are we, where are we going to start at? Right. So we thought just as a way to like frame this, because this is, you know, a Gen Z podcast, because like McKean said, all the information is coming from Twitter. We want to talk about like, what is Twitter saying in terms of like, you know, political news, what's being said about the candidates, what's been going on in these debates and just things like that. So I think the first thing on the agenda that we want to talk about today was the vice presidential debate. And I think even if you didn't watch it, you definitely saw the memes. You definitely know mm-hmm. about that eye that was on Pence's head. You definitely <laughs> know about love being like, you know, um, I'm speaking type thing. Like, right. you know, a lot going on in that. But we just wanted to like, I don't know, chat about it and what our like thoughts were about what was said, who quote won the debate. McKean, what do you think? Well, I mean, y'all already know I'm going to say that Kamala won the debate because I would never say that Mike Pence won everything. (laughs) But I mean, like, I have to give it to Kamala, even if I will say I was a little bit underwhelmed by like the way she talked about policy. And I feel like she could have said a little bit more that was like concrete about like what they're actually going to do. And I think if you've watched any of the debates, whether the vice presidential debate or the presidential debates thus far, the two that have happened, you probably felt the same way. Like it's a lot of just bickering and there's little room for like the actual plans. So I was kind of hoping for more than that, more of that from her. But I also think that Kamala did a great job of grounding the election and like reaching people that Biden could never reach, like, just because of how he speaks, you know? (laughs) And I think, I think, honestly, I know those were just memes, but I think there's definitely something to be said about Kamala's composure. And like, there's something that is so relatable in all of that for every Black woman and girl that has existed in, in the world ever. But also, I think, I hope, I don't know if it was a strategy of theirs, but I think that it might also be successful in reaching white women who we know were largely the reason that Trump was elected. So I'm hoping that like they will get turned out by like watching Kamala have to like baby this old white man just like they have to do every day at their own homes. But anyways. <laughs> we'll see. No, definitely her there's definitely something to be said about her composure. And I think definitely in like the conversations that were surrounding it, people were saying like imagine if she had done what, you know, Pence was doing to her and like how the narrative would have been flipped there, especially thinking about, you know, the angry black women trope and mm-hmm. things like that. So definitely her composure. She kept it together. I agree with she what did. you're saying though. Like all of the debates, they wasn't really saying nothing. If I'm gonna be completely honest, especially the second um presidential debate, Trump said absolutely nothing. Zero. Except for him both being the least like, racist person <laughs> in the room. Other than that, no points were made. Also, he said there were I just can't. That was crazy. I tweeted, I just couldn't because the question was like. The, it was wild because if you watched the way that the the woman who led it, um, I forget her name, gosh, it's terrible, but it's a black woman who moderated this debate and she was by far mm-hmm. the best moderator of the three 
debates that have happened thus far. And she asked the candidates a very explicit question. She said, speak directly to Black voters right now. And Trump goes on this whole tangent about how he's been the best president for Black people since Abraham Lincoln and like how, and then he goes, it was honestly comical. Like he was like, he didn't even bother to say he's not racist. What he did say was, mm, I'm probably the most racist person. In, I mean, I'm probably the least racist person in the room. And then he tried to defend it by like looking to in the audience. But like you watched his whole thought process. He looked in the audience to like defend it. And then he was like, he literally said, I mean, it's dark, so I can't see who's in the room, but I'm probably less racist than them. And I was just like, this is such a mess. And like, then proceeded to like, literally proceeded to come for Joe Biden like right after. And the question was to speak to black voters. So he didn't say anything. Not that we expected him to, but <laughs> yeah. Even like the personal try like jabs that he tried to make with like Biden's son. I can't remember like which one of the debates that was, but like just Both. things like that just kind of show that he, you know, ha literally has nothing to say on policy. And like his whole thing is just trying to like scare people or use kind of like fear tactics or whatever, I guess, but like have no actual substance to what he's saying. And he's like a bully. Like that's, when you think about when you were like in middle school, even like when you watch like the little like middle school movies, that's what the bullies do. They yep. don't have anything of substance to say. So they just try to like back you into a corner. So like you mm -hmm. feel like, I'm just like, sir, please. Trump is literally, man, please. literally, Trump is literally a, I know you are, but what am I like? What am I? Bully. He can do with, I, I know you are, but what am I? Energy. And I'm just like, you are running a country. You are the president of one of the like most influential countries in the entire world. And this, and this is all you're giving? You're giving us oh, nothing. Trash. Me, trash. And it's, I'm not here for it. Yeah. He did no. have COVID though. He did have COVID. Let's talk about that. Let's that, talk about it. His, his <laughs> speech recovery, the, the quickest COVID recovery I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just magic it's almost Literally, a miracle tan back like it never left he was like yeah i wanted to get my spray tan like it's a normal day like also him having like the having covid or whatever and just like going about his day like not quarantining not like doing it putting so much of his staff at risk and just like eh. literally I, there was a point i saw a tweet in the past that was like when he had covid which i mean i don't know maybe he still does i don't know but when he had covid there was a tweet that was like there the outbreak at the White House that came from that like event that they had at the Rose Garden or whatever, currently meet like leaves the White House houses having more positive COVID cases than like a number of large countries. Like <laughs> there was like at one point I think almost forty positive cases because of that event, and there were there have been a number of countries I believe New Zealand comes to mind, but I know there are a bunch of other ones that like have had zero for the past month like months. So it's just kind of alarming that like the most protected space in the in this country is like, I don't know, it was just a mess. And also just to see him recover from COVID and then be like, don't let, he literally said, don't let COVID ruin your life to the faces of people, 200,000 plus people have died. You cannot stop it from ruining your life. Like this is a dissonance. And like the fact that he was able to like, go to his little hospital and like his whole private wing at that hospital and receive all of these, you know, different sort of medications that are still like being tested and aren't, are definitely not available to most Americans who have COVID. Like it's just, it was honestly so out of terrible. And I, I honestly was hoping, right. I was kind of hoping that like, maybe Trump having COVID will be the thing that like makes him take this seriously. Like maybe he'll like actually turn around and adjust for once, but nope. No, nope. <laughs> not a mask in sight, just vibes. That's it. That's all that's going on. <laughs> I cannot. Thinking about as well, like, since we're talking about Twitter, the whole Ava DuVernay, I don't even know, is that you pronounce her last name? When people were coming mm -hmm. for her as well for like wishing him well, I guess, I don't know. I have my views on this. I personally, I don't believe in like, wishing death on people just in terms of like my own conscious i'm like bro you you do that over there i'm not going to go right to like wish that on you because i feel like that's bad karma but also the people were being like coming for her and being like you are a terrible person i mean i guess she's had some controversial views in the past too but speaking like specifically like to um, is it i think she had a so i think she had a <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> 
can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something she said. It was something about her being like out of touch with people. Like she came across as very privileged in whatever she said. I don't remember the specifics and I don't want to misquote her. But basically because of that and because of this, people were just being like, how are you making these movies like when they see us and still like seeming so out of touch with like the most marginalized communities in America. Right. And I was like, okay, there. I feel like personally, she should have kept her mouth shut. I think for me, like she could have yeah. just, you know, kept quiet, mind her business. But I mean, at the end of the day, like all she said was like, I hope he doesn't die. And I feel like that's not an awful thing to say. I mean, I don't know. What do you yeah, think? I don't, I feel the same as you. Like, no matter how much I hate somebody and Trump, I mean, I don't give like, but Trump is among the most disliked. He's probably the most disliked person that I can think of that comes to mind for me. And like, even then, I wasn't necessarily like preying on his survival or healing per se, but I also was not going to like speak and wish him death. Like I was just like, whatever happens to him happens to him and like it's in God's hands. Like that kind of was my perspective on it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, ultimately I agree that like, I would I would not wish anyone death, no matter how trash they were. Mm -hmm. I de I wouldn't wish them well necessarily, mm -hmm. which is another interesting thing because I think the the problem wasn't. I think that Ava DuVernay was like, I wish that Trump gets better, and I think that's probably where the problem was. Like, and again, like you said, if she had just kept her mouth shut, like it would have been fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just don't know why she felt the need to tweet that, especially given the the fact that she made. Um, was it the 13th or when they, when they see us, she made when they see us and like talked at length about how Trump, you know, was part of the reason that those five innocent black yeah. boys were mistreated by the system. And like still to this day, Trump hasn't apologized to them or wished them well. So I think it's another like added layer of just like, girl, like Trump, really? After I all you've done? <laughs> like, I get it. I get why she got the controversy, but also, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be like, I hope he dies. Like people, some of the tweets about Trump yeah. are like out there. And like, I get it. Trust me, I understand. I be, I, I feel it. Mm -hmm. I, but I wouldn't say that. I'm like, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a superstition thing, partially. Yeah, but I just wouldn't. I don't know. And I'm like, I go out there and say that. And then next thing you know, like that happens to me. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Knock on wood. Stop. Maybe it's religious. I'm like, ah, uh -uh, I don't need that on my conscience or my karma. Or I agree. I think the last sort of Twitter thing, and we're going to get into this when we sort of get into like what these candidates are actually bringing to the table, but is Miss Kamala herself. And beyond the memes, she just has a bunch of moments where she's just like, <laughs> I guess I'm laughing. Like, <laughs> like I'm thinking of, I think most recently someone asked her like, who is your favorite rapper alive? And she said Tupac and everyone was like, girl, or the video of her like eating the pork chops or something like that. And I'm like, girl, you were trying yes. really hard to get to this cookout. Like you are really literally crying. And I'm like, girl, please stop. Some of it's been really She just has so many moments. Yes, I'm trying to be like in touch and just like proving that she's not. <laughs> like that video of her marching. <laughs> no, my favorite one is there's that, oh, there's that gift that goes around and it's like a lady like dancing down like the aisle and everyone always thinks it's Kamala. I don't know why. I know exactly the one you mean. <laughs> or even like, I think it was Maya Rudolph. She plays her on SNL. I've seen like right some now. of those. It's amazing. It's so funny. My favorite thing though, with the, with the Tim coming out the plane and she was like all fitted up and I was like wow I think Joe Biden actually did another thing with like the same shoes or like with sunglasses or something like that they're just trying to like be fitted up they really are they swear they put some converses on and are like wow. the most in tune people in the world <laughs> ever and I saw this tweet too someone was like y'all need to stop hyping up Kamala for these shoes before she like gets a deal with like complex and then next thing you know complex <laughs> buying sneakers and I'm like Y'all did not. Y'all did not put <laughs> Kamala Harris on Kamala. Kamala the sneakerhead. <laughs> but it's fine. It's funny. I get my jokes. It's where I, Twitter is where I, you know, get my laughs. Mm -hmm. But as we get more into the more serious part of this conversation, um, I think it's important for us to like also be like, you know, talk seriously about these candidates, what they stand for, what they've been criticized for, because I think definitely, you know, a part of, you know, voting and having this freedom is also like being able to like critique candidates 
um, for things that they've done. So Kamala herself, Miss, Miss Fashion Icon, she does have a controversial mm. past. Honestly, she does. I think there's kind of three things that we selected that we wanted to talk about in terms of like what she's been most critiqued for. And I think a lot of them do revolve around the time that she spent as an attorney general before she was a senator. Um, they call her, what is it they call her on Twitter? Kamala Harris? Coppola, Coppola. Coppola Harris. They basically call her a cop. But she also, it's important to note before we keep going, she has proudly and very recently referred to herself as the top cop in the middle of like a whole controversy of police violence. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I don't know. I think one of the like biggest like cop things that I found was there was something to do with, um, basically they wanted to reduce the amount of inmates because there was like in California prisons or whatever, um, there was overpopulation. So there was like a lot of starvation, inhumane treatment, even people were dying and things like that. And yeah, basically in 2014, there was supposed to be an order to have people who didn't have like violent records to like be allowed to, you know, go on parole after serving half of their sentence. And Kamala and her team were like, oh no, we can't do that because that's gonna reduce the prison labor pool or something like that. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, since then, apparently she came out saying that she was shocked. She has no recollection of that, that she was very troubled by what she re like read and she's like, find out what was actually said. But I'm like, that's what's been circulating basically is one of like the big things people being like, basically she's just locked a lot of people up during her time and she's just not been like the biggest advocate for black and brown folks when it does mm. come to like prison reform, which like, I get it. I, I definitely understand where that criticism comes from. I think if you are going to be an attorney general, I don't know, I think also one of the most important things to think about with, you know, the whole Kamala thing is this tweet I saw that said, you can like criticize Kamala and still understand that like history is being made by her being like a, like a vice presidential candidate. I think those two definitely don't have to be mutually exclusive. So I think with recognizing that, I think with her being mm -hmm. a black woman, a biracial black woman too, because I think she's also like half Indian as well. With that, I think there's a lot of pressure where people want her to be like the representation that they never saw. So when things like this do come out where it's like, hey, you've not been advocating for black and brown folks, it's like, damn, we wanted better for you. And I think that was a lot of the, like what the criticisms were for um, Obama as well. People were like, oh yeah, Obama, our first black president, he's supposed to like be there for the black people. And I guess people thought that he wasn't doing enough or something like that. So I think that's something to keep in mind that like, right. yeah, when it does come to like candidates of color, I think there is a higher expectation, I guess, of them to advocate for communities of color because they belong to those communities of color. So I don't know. I think that's a fair criticism to be made right. of her as well. I think another important thing in sort of understanding Kamala's past and what she might offer in the 2020 election as the VP is just sort of having a clear sense of like what she did do and like in what roles. So for anybody who doesn't know, from 2000 until 2011, she was the district attorney of San Francisco. And then from 2011 to 2017, she was the attorney general of California. That is the role she refers to herself as the top cop for. And then since 2017, she has been a senator, a US senator for California. And a lot of her record has changed from in those different roles. And that's something important to know. And like, it raises another question of like, how consistent does a, a, a politician have to be and is consistency more valuable than like adjustment and response to like the culture and the needs of your people so just to keep just so people know like this is where she's been and like right now she's currently a u.s senator so just clear up any confusion around that but some other things that we sort of looked into as points of conflict as from her past and her track record as a politician to date was her relationship to schooling and the punishment of parents basically whose kids weren't at school <laughs> in 2010 which was almost her last year of being the DA of San Francisco she had noted that there were 600,000 students in elementary schools who weren't attending school and basically like it was then a political issue to sort of realize like how do we get these kids to school because like I mean that's almost a million kids that aren't going to school and basically the problem wasn't in the fact that she acknowledged this as a problem, but really in like what she imagined would be the solution. 
And so her response to this issue was that she would charge the parents or guardians of kids who weren't attending school $2,000 fines or up to one year in jail. So again, it's like, it's another issue of like, is this, it, it is her fault, of course, like these were decisions she made, but it also is like the system doesn't really have any forms of like penalty or support that aren't, again, penalties. <laughs> like they're not really support. Like the only thing we know is to give people fines and like put them in jail if they can't pay the fines or like put them in jail anyways. And I feel like that's another larger systemic issue, but it's important context for understanding yeah, Kamala's definitely. role as like the quote that's top so real. And I think as we're talking about what you were saying, like in terms of thinking about political candidates, like is it more important for them to like be quote unquote perfect or like consistent from the jump? Or is it also like maybe equally as valuable to have a candidate who's malleable, a candidate who you know, is able to like adjust and like listen to criticism and move forward. And I think in like the research that we have been doing, like, you know, in preparation for this episode and like thinking more, like looking into Kamala, what, you know, she has thought in the past, she's been more open to change. Like even with the school thing, like she's definitely since apologized and said that it wasn't her intention and moved towards like, you know, trying to find different solutions that didn't end up punishing parents in that way. Also even thinking about her views on legalization of marijuana as well in 2011 she was like firmly against she was like marijuana is like ruining communities and now if you see her in 2018 she's all like actually legalized marijuana and i think i think that is something that's uniquely valuable in like both like a people in general but also definitely something you would want in a political candidate is to like be able to learn from past mistakes like she's been in the game for a while and like the like world we were living mm-hmm. in in 2011 is not the same world that we are living in now here in 2018. So I think definitely it's valuable to see candidates who are, you know, able to change. I mean, not now in 2018, but you know what I mean? In recent years, I'm still living in 2018. Sorry, that was hilarious. <laughs> I think sort of on the note of like, it, it really is something to consider. And for me personally, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, like, Kamala is my favorite candidate ever. But I mean, also in the grand scheme of candidates, she probably is one of the stronger ones. And at least, I don't know, I, I hope there's something promising in someone who can adjust. I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to the Perfect Scam podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery! Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. And like be honest about an adjustment. And like, of course, it doesn't remedy like the injustice that they did in the past. But like, that's all I would I feel much more confident in a politician who does that than someone who is just like, well, this is what I've been doing. This is what I'm gonna keep doing type of thing. So that's kind of my thoughts on Kamala, the quote, the cop. (laughs) But I guess as one final, did you want to talk a little bit about her like relationship with sex yeah, work? Yeah, definitely. One I mean, sort I think of final this to note about her, her relationship with sex work kind of still falls into the same, I guess, trend of what we've been talking about before. Definitely in 2016, she was very much talking about like you know having no regrets about basically there was some site or service that she got shut down that was like very very much um, a place where sex workers you know used to get their work and things like that. So she was very much against sex work. Um, but then recently she spoke more so about like the decriminalization of sex work, talking about like definitely how she sees how sex work can be a place where it's like a lot easier for people to get exploited and wanting to avoid that. But also like she said, if there's two consenting adults, like you can't really criminalize consensual behavior. So I think that's another note, like her improvement in the past. And like, mm-hmm. these are only three things that we picked out. There definitely might be more things that she said, more things that she's done that we haven't talked about here. Again, we were only trying to talk for an hour that we can't get into everything. 
But I think in the grand scheme of things, right. at least in my personal opinion, I think I've definitely seen, I guess, a trend of like someone who's definitely made a lot of very, very questionable decisions. But in the grand scheme of things, like, is this someone who has mm-hmm. the potential to do better in the future and be a better candidate? And I guess that's something to think about. I don't know. Definitely. Absolutely. And it really, like, I definitely recommend that everyone just do a little bit of research, like look into her track record and like even just the small shifts from when she was attorney general to like the things mm-hmm. that she's passed as a senator. Like you might be a little bit surprised. And I think that's the one sort of the goal with this episode is like because so much of us, so many of us get our information from Twitter, like there is value in looking beyond mm-hmm. the common narratives to like at least if, if for no other reason and you might not change your mind. That might be that's not your goal and like that's told you fine. But at least then you know what happened. So, like, that is the goal. And I think, you know, if we're looking at her running mate, Biden, um, Biden has a similar history and, like, some similar points of question in his track record. He's been a politician for decades. <laughs> like, so I think, you know, now I'm going to get a little bit into, like, some research we did on him just to give everyone some context. Because you might have been like me. We met Joe Biden as uh-huh. Obama's vice president. You might have positive or negative things about, I don't know, but like, that's how I was introduced to him. I thought he that was, that's, that's where he began to exist in my mind. But like, he was elected to the Senate in 1972, when he was 29 years old, and he's currently 77. So he's been in the game for a long time. And, you know, as a senator, you know, some, or I guess some points of conflict now that are coming up again in this election were like some things that he did as a senator and honestly his track record as a senator was pretty positive but the i'm going to address the largest point of conflict first which is the 1994 crime bill and if anyone doesn't know this was the um the crime bill was passed by the senate unanimously and like it was a bipartisan sort of effort against the rise in crime in the 90s and so that meant like even the congressional black caucus was extremely behind this crime bill just for context like it wasn't like joe biden being like let's lock him up it was kind of a unanimous decision which is again questionable but just for context like it was it was problematic on everyone's part and if you've watched any of the recent debates you might have seen biden refer to this bill as a mistake which is interesting to like refer to something that he was involved in as a mistake but basically the bill wasn't extremely successful in decreasing crime. And the only thing it really was successful in was in increasing incarceration rates, particularly among black people and also native Americans. And it's something to really like look into the stats. If you want to see it, it was very problematic Um, because of that bill. Like a lot of people were experiencing like new newly set mandatory minimum sentences. So like for repeat offenses, some people were like required to be sentenced to life. There was also like increased charges for marijuana um, usage. So a lot of additional people were sent to jail that weren't necessarily contributing to the violent crime that they claimed to target. So those are all some things to consider. But um, that same year in 1994, sort of as a more positive note and some other things that Biden has done, that same year he passed, um, he sponsored and like was spearheaded the Violence Against Women Act and it that actually very successfully led to a major decline in dom- domestic violence. I think it was like from 2.1 million domestic violence cases a year to like less than 800,000 in within two years. So it was very, honestly, it was successful. And like, I don't know the stats about race, but I hope that Black women were among those ones who benefited from that. So something to look into. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were some things that Biden did. He also oversaw the confirmation of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the Supreme Court Justice. He introduced one of the first climate change bills to the Senate, which led to the creation of like a global global warming task force. It is also like important to note, like as vice president, he was responsible for many of the things that we do applaud Obama for, which particularly the Affordable Care Act. And now because of them, like 20 million Americans who were previously uninsured now have access to health care, which is crucial, if yeah. not always, but especially in uh, the middle of a health pandemic. So this is context on Mr. Mr. Joe Biden over there. I, think, I don't know, I might be a little bit biased, but I think one of the things that I really applaud him for definitely as my little, you know, sustainable development major as is just like, you know, those climate change stuff. 
And I think I was looking at the stats, like comparing like what the Trump administration has done in terms of climate change to what's like Biden's planning to do. Bro, Trump is making it worse. First of all, this is a man who does not even believe that climate change is a problem. He's not hearing the science. Did you hear what Trump said in the first debate about like when the question of climate change came up? He literally was just like, <laughs> well, Biden goes, and gives this whole comprehensive plan about like funding and like this is what needs to happen about emissions and zero net emissions by 2050 if possible da, 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 da. and then trump is like oh you know what really is, is the problem is forest manifestation or or not manifestation <laughs> of forest protection and like maintenance and he was like we just have to pick up the trees that have fallen and like if we pick up the trees everything will be better and i was just like sir Please, Please you know nothing. <laughs> People will go to this man and try to give him the climate science, and he's like, hmm? you know that squibber meme that's like, y'all hear something? That's it. That's the all. That's the that's the energy I get from him when there's climate change conversations going on. But it's just so disappointing because like even things that had been put in place in like the previous administration before him, in terms of like you know legislation that had been made, regulations, he just either like rolled those back or just like reversed them or like got rid of them completely. And I'm like, sir, or even in terms of like trade agreements and stuff, that's a different conversation as well. We're talking about climate change, but yeah, just making it worse mm-hmm. in terms of like emissions and things like that. And then Biden comes and has one of the most you know ambitious plans for climate change that we've ever seen. And it's like, bro, even if his plan doesn't completely come to fruition. It just feels nice in the like current state of the world that we're in now in terms of climate, like with like the climate clock that went up saying we only have like seven years left to have a leader that at least sees it right. as a priority. You know what I mean? And I think that to mm-hmm. me is very, very valuable. Like I said, even if it doesn't like work out or like if the plan doesn't like completely pass through, at least he cares enough to like really try to make a plan for that right. for me. Yeah, I might be biased, but climate change is important to me. I like this planet. I like living here. Literally. So let's, I, I would like, like to survive. Please. It, so please yeah. Let's do that. Right. Yeah. I think that raises an important question, though, of like, that's been the toughest part to gain from all of this. Like, when we talked about, about the debates, like, even I'm someone who's watched each debate thus far through and through, but I can't blame anyone who has decided not to watch them because you don't necessarily gain much you just have you I mean I don't know about anybody else but like I'll watch those debates and I'll leave with more questions than like when I started watching and I don't know if like social between social media and between like the the few debates that take place in the election I don't know if there's an I don't know if they really allow for true information and clarity of different platforms to even be presented to the American people So I feel like, you know, one thing, I have so many questions. Like I have literally, if you asked me what the Biden-Harris campaign is going to do for the US, I probably like before I did the research for this episode, I did not really have a sense. Like their their whole campaign, like, and even in the debates, they're talking about like how they're just, they have more dignity than Trump or like we are nicer people than Trump or like, and of course, like, thank you for that because that says a lot, it does say a lot. But it's just like still what is going to happen to people. So we went through and just sort of highlighted some major points of like what the Biden-Harris campaign is like pledging to do. And again, like Lauren said, we hope these things will happen. We have somewhat good reason-ish to believe Mm -hmm. that they might, given sort of how much Biden was able to do in these areas as VP for Obama. But Mm -hmm. let's just go through and let y'all know. So the first one, and that's on my mind, and hopefully on y'all's minds mm-hmm. too, is COVID. And like, what is the plan for that? And like, if there is a change of power, and, and to, thus far there has been no national, like nationally coordinated response to COVID, what would that be? And so Kamala and Biden have sort of decided to approach the economic and health issues of COVID sort of in one plan. And they hope to create like, I think 100,000 plus jobs by creating 10 different um, testing centers in every state. So they one are like rehiring people who have become unemployed because of COVID, but also increasing testing, which will hopefully in turn help to slow and stop the spread eventually. So that's their plan with COVID. Um, Their plan with like jobs and money otherwise beyond COVID, because of course, like 100,000 jobs, there's millions of people unemployed, so they still gonna be millions of people unemployed. But their plan with jobs is to 
increase the federal minimum wage. And like, this is a big deal. The federal minimum wage has not been increased since 2009. So currently the federal minimum wage is $7.25. Some states like New York and others, especially in the Northeast, but like California too, have decided to increase their minimum wage. So like New York's minimum wage is 15. I know Massachusetts is like 12, 75 or something. Like they have decided to go higher, but states like Florida are legally not bound to pay their workers more because this federal minimum wage has not changed since from 725 to since 2009. So Biden and Kamala are planning to raise this federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. So hopefully people can work one minimum wage job and like actually be able to pay their rent and like put food on their family's plates. Like that's the least you could hope. So like that is mm-hmm. one of their plans. And I think the next thing on the list that's really important to talk about, especially, you know, with the Kamala Harris controversy as well, is what their policies will be in terms of like race and criminal justice reform. So the Biden-Harris, you know, ticket has pledged to invest $30 billion in black and minority owned businesses, which I think, you know, definitely is like a good thing that we can like applaud them for doing definitely. Mm Um, also pledged to incentivize states with a $20 billion to invest in incarceration reduction efforts, um, especially thinking about like eliminating mandatory minimum sentences, decriminalizing marijuana, like we were talking about before. And also something that people don't really talk about but needs to be addressed is like expunging like records of those who are like convicted of cannabis use because thinking about, you know, people who are, you know, arrested for something that's now legal or something that people are now selling, you know, and making money from, like, without, you know what I mean? Like, something that states are profiting off of, right. Exactly. (laughs) But people, you know, can't get a job or can't vote because of those charges just does not make sense to me. That's something that really grinds my gears and really makes me upset. (laughs) Like, expunging those records, I think, is really, really important. And... They have not plum pledged to defund the police, but mm. instead they've said to invest $300 million into community policing with an emphasis on social services like mental health, which I think is really important because I think in a lot of the research that I did um, when we were talking about, you know, like Black Lives Matter and like what the what defund the police actually means, thinking about especially like when you know police are approaching people with disabilities and things like that, like they have no idea what to do when they get into those situations Mm -hmm. and there are so many instances where someone who may have you know a mental health issue or disability has been killed or has been injured because the police did not know what to do with those circumstances so i think even though you know police are not being completely defunded i think the fact that they listen to that criticism and are now trying to invest in those types of community policing i think is really important and a step forward um Aside from that, we kind of talked about climate already, but you know, I just, I'm here for trying to get that zero net emissions by 2050. Is it possible? Period. I don't know, but I see that proposed $1.7 trillion and I'm like, period. Yep. What <laughs> um, I and then the last thing that is like really, really important to me because we do be, we do be an immigrant out here. So <laughs> when Trump like hates immigrants, he like cannot Literally. stand them. When he was Except like Miss Melania I, over there, but anyway, his wife who is an immigrant, but he only like, he doesn't like the ones that come from shithole countries. So oh. that's ooh. <laughs> <laughs> right. anyway. But you know, he, I almost couldn't come back to school because of that man. He was like the Trump administration is like not like doing visas. International students can't come back. I'm like, ice. Can y'all stop her? Can you I'm just trying to learn? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm really just trying to get this degree, please, sir. But so yeah, his immigration policies. I'm not a fan of. So I'm very, very glad that Biden is trying to promise to reverse some of those immigration policies, especially the ones that are literally separating children from their parents at the border mm-hmm. and you know, ice camps and things like that. I am not here for those whatsoever. So definitely like the I think the like logistics of the way that it works is it'll be like within the first hundred days they'll create a path to citizenship for dreamers, which mm-hmm. Bikin, you want to go a little bit more into like what that means. Yeah, dreamers were basically like, it was from Obama's era, Obama era like policies that he put in place to create protections for kids who were brought here illegally, but like are American. So like people who might've been brought here by immigrants when they were children and who have gone through American schooling systems their whole lives and are like now in college students and who are also like 
very much so crucial to the fabric of our country and like the future of our country. Obama had put in place protections for them that would not allow them to be um, deported. And so the, those people, those people, sorry, I hate that. But like that group of people are referred to as dreamers. So Biden and Kamala are sort of claiming and sort of like re-strengthening the DACA program, which is the dreamers program, the dreamers act, forget the exact acronym, but basically putting those protections back in place so that like people who are American by, by upbringing and like who only know this country but are technically from somewhere else can't just be kicked out at any given moment which is kind of what Trump wants to be the case. <laughs> so, mm. but yeah, I feel like, you know, we, I'd hope that I'm sure that was different to listen to than most of our like kiki chatting conversations in the past, but I think it's important. Like I don't have, I really haven't heard a comprehensive breakdown of like, what are they actually like saying? And I feel like at least even what I remember in past elections, it's like, dang, at least like they're making explicit promises, not just like, talking bad about the other person but like there's been so little room in this election largely be at the president's blame for truth and it sucks like i'm just trying to be informed i'm just trying to know like who to vote for <laughs> but exactly. you know i hope that was clear for everyone listening and i feel like it's so important to like do research for yourself don't let twitter inform you don't let i mean twitter can be your primary place for news it, it it is in many ways for me, but like Bye. sometimes it's crucial. It really is crucial, especially like as we get closer and closer to this election, like to know what's up and know what's really good and like then make decisions based on that. So after, you know, evaluating the different platforms, particularly the Biden-Harris like ticket and what they promised to do, we thought we would sort of close the episode with a conversation on like who do, like what is our dream in politicians? You know, we talked a lot about how like Biden and Kamala both have certain controversies in their records and like how mm -hmm. we both sort of see change in a, a little in a politician's um, decision making as like a better sign than not. But like who would we love to see like in our dream election because this election is definitely so far off from anything that is in our dreams. Our this is a nightmare election. But like in our it dream election what cause what qualities and like what type of people do we want to see as our elected officials? I definitely I would love a black woman, a woman of color. I definitely love I think that's what my dream candidate is, just mm -hmm. because I don't know, I just I trust black women with my life. I definitely would trust a black woman to run this country. Yeah. Um I think of all the politicians that I know, I think AOC is probably like the best candidate I've seen yeah. in my personal opinion in terms of like her prioritization of like climate change that I was talking about but also just in terms of like who she is as a person and like what she I mean I'm saying who she is as a person as if I know this woman but like <laughs> what I and like what she stands for yeah I just love how vocal she is I love the fact that she doesn't take shit from anybody and I think that is so valuable and also just you know the way she fights for rights and like human rights, I think is like one of the main platforms that I found for her. Like she advocates for marginalized groups. She advocates mm -hmm. for like communities that don't typically have a say. And I think even if it's not her, I think that's something that's really valuable for me and a candidate is like, you know, be here for the little guy, be here for the people who like don't typically have any platform to be able to share their experiences or stories. Don't, you know, aren't like usually involved in any decision-making at all. I think giving them a voice is something that I would really, really love in a candidate. Also a candidate who listens. Yeah. A candidate who like, you know, hears what the people are saying and like doesn't automatically assume that they like know everything because they've been in politics for so long. It's like, and I, you know, like the whole high and mighty, I guess, type of idea of just like, oh, I've been here for so long. Like I know what's best for the country. Right. and just like doesn't to the people at all. Like we'd be having some good ideas too. Right. Be, you know, because I think, politicians can also find themselves so far removed from what it like the everyday life is for American citizens mm -hmm. that if you don't listen to like what you know is going on in these lives or yeah, like what you have no idea are, you have no idea and nobody is going to know what needs to be done in marginalized communities better than people who live in those communities every day and Period. you know I think so that's something that's very very important to me I think in terms of like what the candidate also a candidate who cares about immigrants because that's me. <laughs> yeah. 
would like that. Immigration and climate change. Those are the main platforms that I would like. Yes, I hear you. I agree. I feel like there's something to be said about like, to me, a politician, the job description of being a politician is to be a public servant, which means what you're doing should be to, like you said, like to serve and to benefit the people who elected you. And I feel like we're so deep in this that like deep meaning beyond our lifetimes and beyond our parents' lifetimes, like this system has been so long established that like we don't even necessarily view politicians as ones who represent us anymore. Like technically we know that and like technically we vote, but it's like politicians are just the ones who make the decisions anyways. And like we've, especially with Trump, but like even before Trump, we see so many times where like it is very clear what the American people are asking for and still something else is done. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. So I feel like honestly the baseline, I just want to see a politician who like, like you said, acknowledges that their job is to serve others. Like your, mm-hmm. your job is not to be in charge of me. Your job is to listen and to respond and to protect. Like that is it. Like, and I just feel like that's such a rare sight to see, like, which is why I think AOC is, you know, one of, among one of the people that just feels like a breath of fresh air when we've been so long been accustomed to politicians who not only don't look and sound and like come from anywhere like we do, but also just are so long out of touch, like have not lived in any community in decades. And I feel like, you know, she's part of a number of like current, like new representatives that are sort of changing the face of Congress and the Senate that I'm really excited to see like my favorite, personal favorite is Ayanna Presley. Love her. She's from my home state, Massachusetts, and she's doing the thing. She's doing work to make sure that, like, Black girls aren't put in prison from school. Like, like she's just doing the work that, like, is valuable to, like, protecting the future of, like, communities that I know, you know? So I think those are the people that I want to see more of in politics. And I feel like maybe this is a hot take, but, like, I feel like the silver lining of the terrible Trump presidency is that maybe we will see like he's affected an entire generation. Like our generation is only now becoming of age to vote, but just wait until we become of age to run for stuff too, because I feel like it's, it's about to be something and I'm looking forward to it. I love that. And I think as we kind of bring this episode to a close, I think it would be remiss to not literally talk about like what voting actually looks like in this election and give you all some you know, like tangible steps that you can take. So definitely, as y'all should know by now, election day is November 3rd. Um, I did see a video though. It's not like the election is not November 3rd. The election ends on November 3rd. The election is now. So if you can vote now, go and vote now. Vote early. Check what your registration deadlines or what your voting deadlines are for your state. Please go out and vote. Um, There is a website called 2020voterguide.org with all of the dates, all the registration, basically a comprehensive state-by-state breakdown. Anything that you need to know, you can find on that website. So I urge you all to please go and check it out. As well, something to think about is voting by mail is a big thing this year. So get your absentee ballots. Um, I personally think it does make voting a lot more accessible. So I think it's something to like look into, especially like with COVID, but also like thinking about like the history of like voter suppression in America, like I'm seeing you know, on Twitter, all of these like long ass lines, even like in mm-hmm. Harlem, which is, like where I'm living, like there's so many long lines to try and vote. So being able to vote by mail, I think is really helpful for like disenfranchised communities to be able to contribute, to be able to fight against all of that. So yeah. yeah. And one thing just to consider if you are voting by mail, there is, unfortunately, there has been increased disenfranchisement with ballots that have been mailed in. So even if you are requesting an absentee ballot, it is highly recommended that instead of using like FedEx or USPS to mail it back in, that you go and drop it off at an approved box or even at an election or at a at a voting or polling location because like the process of mailing it in makes it just a little bit more likely that they will might throw it away, which is unfortunate, but like something to keep in mind. So like, I mean, like, just make a plan. That really is what it is. Like make a plan, look up what your state's rules are, look up the deadlines like right now, because by the time this episode is live, like we will be a few days out and like it's crunch time. And like the thing is about this election, we might not know the results for a month or more, 
But like, yeah. like Lauren said, November 3rd is the, the end of our involvement and whatever happens next is like whatever happens. So, and you know, like we said, like polls are saying that Biden is gonna win. I'm pretty sure every poll has Biden as like a 10 plus percentage lead. But keep in mind that Hillary was projected to win in 2016 too. And the one, the main reason, I mean, there's some controversy. She did win the popular vote anyways. We won't get into that because we don't got time. But one thing, the problem that, the reason that she did not win by a landslide is because people thought she had it in the bag. So even if you think like, I'm just not going to vote because I already think Biden's going to win, do it anyways. Tell your grandmama, tell your uncle who thinks he's apolitical, tell your, your roommate who thinks that voting is a waste of time, like tell everybody that you know to vote because it is crucial. And it's like the one way that we can like, the one way that we can really, you know, enact change and like help to dictate like our future. And like, this is, like we said, the time where so many of us are coming of age, like and entering the world and entering the workforce, like all of these job stats and stuff that seemed obsolete to us for years are crucial and like are affecting us. So please y'all go vote. That's it. That's all we had to say. Please go vote. So that's the wrap up of this conversation. We really hope that you guys found this to be informative. Like McKean said, this is kind of a different episode than you guys are probably used to from us. We hope it was still chatty and engaging, but we thought it was really important. Like there's so many people, even in the research that we were trying to do for this episode, like it's hard to just get like a comprehensive breakdown of like what, you know, these candidates are all about. So we hope y'all found that in this episode. We hope it's helpful. Please go vote. And I know that was kind of a heavy conversation. So we're going to end things off and wrap it up in the way that we always do with what's bringing us joy. So do you want to go first or shall I go first? Oh, you want to go first? I'm going to think about it. <laughs> you are. Wait, we talked about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry. I you joy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. I do enjoy my life. Whoops, forgot real quick. But <laughs> I'm supposed to hopefully have a vehicle, have a whip of my own by the end of this week, maybe even by the end of today. So I'm very excited about that. I've never owned a car. I've been able to drive since I was 16, but I have to be driving my parents' car. Well, my mom's. Love you, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> my dad will not let me drive his but hopefully i will have one by the end of the day which is kind of crazy I mean, so yeah exciting. that's bringing me some joy in advance how about you i love that this nose piercing that i talked about at the beginning is bringing me joy period yes um ah, is that it is that what's bringing me joy <laughs> is that all i got well i also i watched a show on amazon prime called fleabag i don't know if you've ever heard of it uh-uh. i saw your tweets about it though I, I did enjoy that show, honestly. I didn't even think I was going to like it. I literally watched it all in one night. And wow. there was only like 12 episodes. There's like six mm. episodes, but it won so many awards. It's British. It's kind of has like a dry humor, which I really, really like. Started crying at the end. These past couple days since I watched it, I'll just like watch the last 10 minutes to just prove to myself that I can feel and that I have emotions. <laughs> so it's, it's very beautiful. It's quite the experience, but yeah. I had a nice weekend too. McKean knows what this yes. weekend was about. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that is all that we have for you guys today. And that is also all that we have for you guys for this season. This is so, so crazy. Can you I believe? Have 12, 12 episodes. episodes. <laughs> 12 episodes. Oh, wow. It feels like it was just yesterday. You know, we were doing our little IG live. <laughs> I know, we were just like, Let, let's do a podcast. But here we are. Um, so yeah, we wanted to thank you guys for all of your support that you guys have shown us over the past 12 episodes, over the past two months. It's been really, really great. And it brings it really us so has. much joy. Right? So much that. joy. Yes. And we'll be back with another episode drop on December 4th. So give us mm -hmm. a month and we'll be back with you. But in the interim, make sure to keep up with us. We will still be on social media. So find us on Instagram at Black Girl Blueprint and Twitter at B Girl Blueprint. And if you have any like episodes you want to see in season two, any guests that you think like you need us to talk to, let us know like with urgency because we want to know. Yes. We want to know what y'all want to see. Give us some episode topics, some guests, send us some confessions. We didn't do any confessions this season, but like, what's the tea? Girl, like, Literally. let us know what's going on. What y'all got going on? Because we don't got nothing going on, so we want to lift you all. Period. I know, it's just so, me going outside every week. 
literally <laughs> feet on the grass like in the cold weather that's it that's all we got yeah. but it's okay so yes thank you guys again for support this season we will catch y'all december 4th with season two and yes period yes. bye bye everybody When you change your floor, it changes the whole room. Right now, save more on the floor of your dreams from LL Flooring. Save up to $500 on top of our already low prices. With a purchase of $1,500 or more, you'll receive a digital Visa gift card rebate. Visit llcashback.com for details. Choose from our selection of quality floors and get special financing. Lumber Liquidators is now LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery! Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly.